Hey, I'm Blake Francis. I'm a millennial and I've never listened to a podcast in my life. So the only comical thing to do is to create a series of audio goodness where I have a yarn to some interesting people I've met in my time. And the challenge is I'm rallying my co-hosts using only the mate's currency, a slab of beverages. Strap yourselves in because who knows where this could go. It's Best Mates with Blake. Yeah, g'day everyone. It's Blake Francis here, uh, back for another episode of Best Mates with Blake. And I've now interviewed a few people and there's always a little smile or a moment of realisation when they hear the opener. And my next guest has done exactly that. My next guest is Casey Barnes, Australian country music royalty. Uh, and I'm so happy to have you on the on the podcast today, mate. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure, mate. That was, I love that opener, the slab of beer thing. That's, you got me straight away. Love it. This is what it is. Like you're doing me a favor by coming on and having a chat to me. And it's just one of those things is mates, you say thank you, you give them a slab of beer. And I just thought it's quite quintessential Aussie as well. But um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and having a chat, mate. I guess the reason why uh, I've been able to get onto you you actually know my parents, especially my mum in the occupation that she is as a midwife. She looked after uh, Michelle for a little bit when she was having her kids. And I think dad as a paramedic as well came to your house when one of your little ones was sick a while back. It's just such a small world. It is definitely a small world. And, and it's becoming, I guess, when we're in this era of, of social media as well, it makes you realise even more so, you know, how how closely linked we all are. You know, it's... um. It's, it's pretty scary at times. You know, there's lots of, lots of examples I've had over the last couple of years where, yeah, it's the same sort of thing, but it's, it's, it's probably more good than bad. You know, some people are a bit anti-social media with, with that sort of stuff, but I've, I've found that um, some amazing opportunities and, and things that have happened through that, you know, like uh, just that connection that you get and it's, it's a good thing. The Gold Coast, it's such an enclosed space. Like, do you feel like you just go out for your run, like you said just before, and you run into people or say g'day? Is is it that enclosed for you? Yep. I grew up in Tasmania, so I, I grew up in a in a state where it couldn't be any more that way. And, you know, I love that. The fact that um, you have a close-knit community and great friends and everybody seems to know everybody. And, and when I moved to the Gold Coast, um, that was one of the things that I loved. I, I'm not, you know, we, we could have moved to places like Brisbane and some of the major cities like Sydney and Melbourne, but um, it's not, there's no appeal there for me. I mean, they're beautiful places. I love my footy. So Melbourne is one of my favourite places to come when I want to have a, a weekend away and catch some catch some footy and stuff like that. But um yeah, I could talk to you. I could talk to you for an hour about footy. Don't you worry about that. But, but no, the Gold Coast is just—it's um, a perfect balance. You know, it's a perfect balance of um, there's enough going on here to make it exciting. It's a beautiful part of the world, and um, yet not too big. It's not too hectic to get around. And um, and you know, when you look at um, some of the success stories, I guess over the last few years that have come out of the Gold Coast. Um, there's no reason why you can't base yourself somewhere like here and still have a career and, and um, you know, and yeah, base yourself in a great place like where we are. What part of Tasmania are you from? Because I absolutely loved it when I was down there. Yeah, it's a good spot. I, I grew up on the northwest coast of Tassie. I was born in Launceston, uh, grew up on the northwest coast, uh, a little place called Turner's Beach, which is in between Olverston and Devonport and, um yeah just a terrific great memories um and we're 
actually looking forward to I try and get down there at least once a year to do a show with the band and it's a real like getting off the topic a little bit it's it's nice to go back home and um and just have a taste of goodness and and real genuinely down-to-earth people and you know we, we're lucky enough we do amazing shows all around the country and big festivals where we get treated extremely well um but but when we go back to Tassie, it's nice to go back down to grassroots. And, you know, we're doing a show there next month where it's in a little town called Mathina, which is in the middle of nowhere. And um, any other time of the year, you know, the, the township is probably, you're only talking probably a few hundred people that live there. But what they do is they, they close off the main street, they bring in a, a big truck and a semi-trailer and they all of the, the locals, the oldies, um, open up the town hall and, do all freshly home cooked food and and drinks and and all of the local communities from around that area all come to Mathina and pack the whole place out and have a big a big night out and we um we we love going to, and doing gigs like that just to you know just to get back amongst what what it's all about and have a good time. That's unreal. So would you prefer the smaller gigs or the bigger audience? It's a good question. I, I mean, I love getting a balance of, of both. I mean, it's really nice to do the intimate shows, but, you know, nothing beats. And that's probably one of the things I, I missed the most about last year with the whole COVID lockdown, um, not being able to do a lot of live shows at all. Um, but I really do miss the bigger the bigger festivals, you know, the bigger festivals, big stage, big crowds, um, the, nothing beats that. It, it really is. It's a funny thing. I mean, I, I'd i much prefer to like, – we were lucky enough to, to play at the um, decider, the State of Origin at Suncorp Stadium, Game 3, 50,000 people. Um, that's a, a whole other story, actually. That was, we had a, a top night doing that, and that was amazing. I, I love doing those sort of gigs. Um, put me in front of – three of my closest mates and I'd probably be crapping my Dax more doing that. So it's really weird. <laughs> That's crazy. And so with those tiny little gigs or really any gig, does it ever cross your mind that especially in those little gigs that these people may not know who the hell I am, what song this is, don't know the words? Um, yeah, look, I think um, that probably happened several years ago when you're sort of still starting out. Thankfully now majority of the the shows we do um it's been a real transition that we've noticed in the last couple of years especially where you'll go into these small little communities and places where you you would expect that you'd probably get that response but yet we're getting um you know we were lucky enough to go out and do a regional queensland tour at the end of last year and we got out to places like you know mount isa and rockhampton and Mackay and um, bundaberg and townsville and cairns and and we were blown away that so many people actually knew the words and were singing the words back. But I think on the flip side, one of the things that I love the most is when you go and do those shows and it might be somebody, like you say, that's first time they've come to one of your shows and then you'll get a little message from them on social media. It might be the next day just going, hey, look, I just wanted to say, I, my friend only just introduced me to your music, it was our first song coming to your show. I'm a new fan, love it. And they're the, they're the ones that I love, I really love the most because, you know, you want to try and um, make those new fans and, and, yeah, that's exactly right. It's got to be such a rewarding feeling. I'm smiling now even thinking of the elation and the connection that you could feel. Do you feel that straight after every single gig that you do? Uh, I think you know when you've had those gigs where you've connected 
with the, the audience and you've got that response and there's no, that's the thing that drives you and and the thing that that I live for as a live performer I mean it's my favorite part of the whole process I love absolutely love writing I love being in the studio I love recording but I love playing the songs live and I love getting the response from the crowd and knowing which, which songs are connecting with your audience and yeah. it's it's really interesting sometimes um the tracks that surprise you um you know the the album that i've got out at the moment um is called town of a million dreams and and you know we it's been out now for just under a year um which has flown by and you know there's been a couple of little surprise packets off that album that really didn't know you don't know which ones are going to connect and there's there's a track on there called city girls which is a really cool um it's a cool storyline about a couple um, that live out of town. They live out in the in the smokes in the middle of nowhere, right? But and they're deeply in love. Like this couple are deeply in love. But on the weekend, they like to pack the bags up and they like to head into the into the big smoke and they like to have a good time and let their hair down, right? And that song has just it's been such a surprise packet. Like we'll play it at shows and everybody knows the words. And we we haven't even released it as a single. It was not a single off the album. But it's been a crowd favourite that everybody's just connected with, and it you know I wouldn't have picked it in a million years. So it's just really funny. Well, what's interesting, and and now that we're on the topic of country music, I find it as a genre, and happy to be told otherwise, you either love it or you hate it. Do you get that same uh, resonance over here in Australia for country music, or do you still think it's up and coming? Because clearly, there's a market that you've tapped into with your product. But do you think it's still on the rise in Australia? It's an interesting discussion. And and I think, um, you know, when you talk about country music as a genre, I think one of the biggest mis- miscon- misconceptions, especially here in Australia, um, is a lot of people don't realise just how broad the genre is now. Because you've got, you've, you've got all ends of the spectrum. You've got all the, the old traditional slim, dusty, country music that I think a lot of a lot of Australians just think that's what country music is and then you've got probably myself at right at the other end of the spectrum Keith Urban Morgan Evans Dan and Shay these sort of guys that are um, they're now crossing over and getting played on on commercial radio um, which is great and I think that's been one of the things that has broken down the barriers where you know this new generation of music lovers no matter what genre they like will come through and they're listening to the radio and hearing these songs not realizing they're actually country songs and going oh geez i actually really like that and that's probably one of the bits of feedback that you know i get quite a bit from some people that might not necessarily be country music fans but they'll say look you know i'll be honest i don't normally listen to country but i really love your stuff that that which is really (laughs) weird but they you know, it's really weird. It just means that I don't think um, people appreciate that country is, is is a really broad genre, and there's really something for everyone. But it's it is it's definitely a, probably the fastest growing genre of music, um, probably nearly worldwide. It's it's growing in a massive rate, um, and which is exciting. And I think it's got a lot to do with radio finally accepting. And I think. Um, you know, when you put on your local um, commercial radio station, 
it gets a bit samey. It's, it's, you know, there's some great music and I love pop music. I absolutely do love it. But there's a lot of stuff that does sound like the same recipe, the same production. It, it feels like it's just a rehash of another song. I think some people are enjoying country music because they're like, oh, geez, that's actually a real guitar. And that's, you know, they're, they're real drums or that's a, you know, it's sort of like, um, a different a different thing for your ear to listen to, which is which is sort of refreshing at the same time. Do you think the genre is trying to tap in to assimilating other genres in it? So, do you think there is a pop country song? Is that just a, a genre blend? Yeah, it is, and you know, I think it'd be great for us to get to a point. Um, where we forget about genres right it's great yeah. you know you've got it you do at the moment you have to class yourself where you sort of sit but at the end of the day wouldn't it be great if we could just go that's just a good song you know that's a great song i connect with it i love it it's got a great melody it's got a great lyric and i love that song and i don't care what genre it is um and i think you know at the moment with commercial radio guys like keith are sort of finding that blend and that's similar to what I've sort of done, you know, a couple of years ago, I went back to the drawing board and I'd been working with some great producers and doing a lot of recording over in the States and Nashville and and that was all fantastic. But I was fortunate enough to be introduced to two amazing producers down in Melbourne, literally where you are, and two incredibly talented guys. And, and um, their, their, sort of, their background is, is really pop production so they're, they're doing a lot of that sort of stuff and um I, I basically we had a chat and we talked about you know where i wanted to head so they had to listen to some of my ideas and what we were able to do is find this perfect blend of their headspace and my headspace and we combine the two and we have we found this magic um sort of happy medium which has just changed everything you know that's um been one of the biggest things probably that's helped with my success over the last couple of years is working with um working with the boys uh they're just yeah they're awesome that's got to be super reassuring that even though you found producers of a different style of music they were more than willing to collaborate and work with you to to produce an ultimate product that everyone's happy with that yeah you probably can't ask for anything better than that has your sound developed into country has it always been country music from a young age growing up is that what you were into yeah look i grew up and i guess this probably explains where i've landed um you know these days with a with a my overall sort of sound but i grew up um listening to my mum and dad's record collection which varied from country you know um right through to to rock and and pop and commercial stuff you know everything from James Taylor and the Beatles and Elton John and Dire Straits and Brian Adams and um, uh, all of this stuff and 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 it's funny how it actually it's funny how things work out. It's this is a total getting off topic, but a side story. My when I was you know living in Tassie, I remember at Christmas my first ever CD compact disc that I got as a kid was Brian Adams' Greatest Hits, and I remember um, I remember you know learning every song on guitar and and um i knew the, the album back to front and then fast forward um you know 10 15 years later uh, i was doing a show and one of the best pieces of advice i got was um when you know when, whenever you do a show always play the gig as though you never know who's sitting in the audience having listening to your gig and 
as it happened, a guy heard this, the gig. He came up and chatted to me at the end of the night and said, love to help you. Um, and I was thinking, how is this guy going to help me? Um, I gave him my little independent CD at the time, which was admittedly pretty average. This is like going back early 2000s. <laughs> and, um, and he passed it on. And I then get a phone call. And you would have heard of it's a concert series called A Day on the Green, which happens all around Australia. Of course, of course. And I get this phone call. And at the time, I genuinely thought it was a, a crazy call from a, like a radio gotcha i thought it was a joke and i i hung up the first time they called me i went yeah right oh mate and i hung up and then they called me back again and it was the promoter ringing to say look we um we want to offer you the spot to open for brian adams so when he comes out on tour we've no. heard and i was like yeah right oh mate and um and and it's funny you know my that was my first album i ever got have always loved brian adams that was my first, you know, big break in music was opening for him. And admittedly, you know, when, when I started off, I probably sounded a little bit more, you know, like Brian Adams or, or Matchbox 20 or that yeah, sort yeah. of commercial sort of vibe. But then, you know, I, I made a, a trip across to the States and and uh, went to Nashville and and fell in love with that sound and, and sort of, yeah, it sort of went from there. So... So it's been a, a sort of a natural sort of progression into where we are now, I guess. I couldn't even imagine that feeling of years ago listening to what was probably one of your idols in that music genre or music in general to opening. That's an incredible feeling and an incredible like achievement or accolade. One day, uh, like maybe when you, you retire and you might go back and write a book about some of your your most memorable experiences and things that happened. There's so much that went into that gig and that happened um, that was just, you know, when you, you've just got to stop sometimes and go, things are meant to be, you know, and, and opportunities come along when the timing is right. And, and you know, that gig just just couldn't have been any better at that when it happened and the, the opportunity that we got. And um, we were nervous as buggery. I remember we came out on stage and um, maybe there were 10,000 people out in the crowd. And this is exactly what you were talking about earlier. Nobody knew me from a bar of soap. And the funny, this is a funny story and it's a true story. We hadn't even come on stage so that no one had even seen us. And the promoter came out on the, on the stage and got the mic and said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, opening for today. So this is a, a great new talent great new Aussie talent, uh, Casey Barnes. And um, my wife's out in the crowd and they're sitting on their you know picnic rug with their wine and their crackers and there's a group of chicks in front of them and they're all talking and they're like, oh, yeah, this is um, this is Casey Barnes. It's um, it's Jimmy Barnes' daughter and she's awesome. She's awesome. And they're all thinking <laughs> I'm, I'm Jimmy Barnes' daughter. And uh, so my wife's texting us backstage, letting us know, and we're all laughing backstage going, this is hilarious. So we've come out. Um, played the first song, actually cracked a joke about that and sort of broke the ice and said, you know, you know obviously, as you can see, I'm not Jimmy Barnes's daughter and, and um, you know, we're going to make sure you guys have a good time today. And and we sort of went from there and, and we sort of broke the ice with the audience. And then another thing happened in the middle of the set, which was a real pivotal moment in my entire career. At the time, I didn't realise it, but looking back, it, it was this pivotal moment that happened and... Halfway through our set, there's a little box that you plug your acoustic guitar into called a DI, and the battery in that little thing had gone flat, which wasn't my fault. It was just a technical issue. 
and we're about to start the next song and I was playing acoustic guitar and the, the DI's gone flat. And so this is my first big gig. I'd shat my pants. I didn't know what to do. And the tech guys are running out on stage and they're frantically swapping over the, you know, the stuff and getting a new DI. And I didn't know what to do. And my drummer, who's still my drummer and one of my best mates, and he's incredibly good in a crisis. And he had a mic at the time and he just started talking. He's just uh, jumped on the mic and just said, ladies and gentlemen, just um, as you can see here, we've got a bit of a technical issue, which we, we're sorting out as we speak. But while they're sorting this issue out, um, I just wanted to let you know, and he's making this up on the spot. He's like, just want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Casey's got a whole range of merch that he'll be selling today. He's got a brand new album that he'll be selling over at the end of the, uh, the set. And he's also just released, um, it's a brand new coffee table book, and they're, they're all... Um, they're all nude shots of Casey. It's a black and white coffee table book. And and uh, the thing about this coffee table book is it's a it's a pop-up book. So and he made that up on the spot. And the crowd's pissing himself laugh, laughing. And that ended up um, making the whole set because we'd won the crowd over and they were laughed. They thought this was brilliant. And then at the end of the set, we finished. Um, I think I got an encore and I played the last song. And the promoter came over and he said, have a look over at the merch table and there was this massive line of people and he's like they all want to see you so you better get over there and i think we sold over 200 copies of my album on that day and it was um you know it was just a moment where i just went right okay i think we're you know i think we're on to something and this is this is this is great i want to keep doing this it was just yeah a funny day that's so unbelievable. I think there's a couple of learnings to take out of that one. One, hold on to your drummer because he clearly has a way with words yeah. and he'll be able to fill the space whenever technical difficulties happen. And two, when you looked over and there was a line that said they want to see you, did they want to see you or did they want the pop-up book and were they going to be disappointed? <laughs> oh, mate, that, 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 uh, I still think we need to bring out a coffee table book but just to take the piss one. Like, not serious, but, yeah. but no, you're right. It was funny and, 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 uh, and the pro promoter actually came up to me at the end of the day when the, the whole, whole day had finished and he said, look, just so you know, you know, we've been running a day on the green now for, for a few years, but this is back in 2005. And he said, you know, you actually sold more copies of your album today than Brian Adams did. Um, and, and you've set the record for anybody of, for a single day's album um, sales. And so, yeah, it was just, um, it was just a really lucky day that everything fell into place. That is a really cool experience. Like you said, uh, you know, career defining moment or two. Now, Keeping obviously with performing, you've been doing this for a while, but you actually uh, entered onto Australian Idol a while back in 2009, the seventh series. What was your overall experience of that? Um, probably mixed, mixed. Um, you know, I I was very anti-reality TV back in those days, and and you know, speaking of that whole Brian Adams experience, we already had done that by that stage so that opportunity had come along and we were starting to get a little bit of momentum so I, I wasn't all that keen on going on a show like that but um, enough people got in my ear and I think the producers of the show contacted contacted us and said we'd love for you just to come along audition if you don't like it you don't have to do anything just see how you go and I just thought, why not? You know, I'll go along and and um, and just see what happens. And and we had no expectations of, of anything going any further at the time, but was lucky enough to get 
you know, get onto the show. And then we, we got through to the top 100 and then it got whittled down from there. And then you got to the live shows, which was the, the top 24. And then, you know, at, back in those days, Idol was a big deal. Like everybody used to watch it. And, and to go from the top 24 when really nobody knew who you were to a week later once you made the top 12 and you were on every bus stop in Sydney and every magazine and billboards and all that sort of bizzo to be able to, you know, you walk out of the hotel in Sydney and everyone would know who you you, you were. It was really weird. And, um, but I, I just, I, yeah, I got a lot out of it, got me way out of my comfort zone. I, I was pretty shy before that show and really reluctant to perform without my guitar. It used to be my security blanket. So that taught me um, to, to get comfortable without my guitar to the point now where these days I prefer um, performing without my guitar so I can walk around the stage and engage with the crowd more and I, I love it. Would you recommend it for young budding musicians now if it was to, to come back? Uh, the short answer would be definitely no, definitely no. <laughs> that to be completely honest, um, I think back in the day when we did Idol and even in the early days of X Factor, there was a lot more um, focus and emphasis on the contestants and their careers and genuinely the labels that were involved on those shows gave a damn about the acts and their success when they won. Generally, it was the winners that would, you know, get signed to Sony at the time. These days, to be really brutal, um, you know, if, if you look at The Voice as an example, the show is a is a huge rating success for the TV network that does it. It's a huge success for the the coaches that that go on the shows and and it's great for their career. But you know, name one person um, that's been on The Voice from the last five or six years that is a household name, has gone on to have a, a credible career. It's a real shame. It really is because that's not to take away from the talent that, that have gone on that show because there have been so many amazingly talented people, but nothing's eventuated. And I think um, it's a different record label that's, that's tied in with um, The Voice. I don't think they care as much about their career. They don't really focus on marketing mm-hmm. Um, they just make the most out of the show at the time, and then unfortunately, nothing happens. It's it's a it's really sad. So if you were going to go on a show like that, I'd just go into it with your eyes open that you know you've got to make the most of it. But then once the show's over, that's when the real work starts. After you go on a show like that, yeah, it does sound a bit unfortunate. It's probably some really good advice for any young musicians that want to listen to the Best Mates with Blake podcast. <laughs> On that note, really quickly, even back when we did Idol, this is, um, you know, just a true story. Uh, we um, And I was lucky when I did Idol that I was a little bit older than a lot of the contestants. So I'd had a bit of that real life experience of what the industry was like. And you know, when you're on a show like that, it's it's a little bit of a false sense of what reality is. So we were we were taken care of extremely well. We were we were all staying in this ridiculous mansion in Sydney. We had a 24 hour butler. We were taken everywhere um, in private cars and security. And you know, we were living a life of what it would be like for a Justin Bieber and all of these sort of guys, right? And so you you a lot of the contestants, and you can't blame them. They get caught up in that whole world to think that this is what 
it's going to be like now. And then the show finishes and then everyone sort of says goodbye and, and you're led, you know, to, to do your own thing. And then a couple of my mates actually off the show rang me, you know, after the show and we're like, shit, what do we do now? You know, everything stops. You know, this is, we're back to reality. And I think, you know, you just have to prepare yourself that it's, it's, it's um, a great opportunity, but you've, you've got to work your backside off once you get off the back of the show. Life lesson as well. Nothing's going to get handed to you. Yeah, hard work obviously earns some big rewards. All right. I think now I do the best mates quiz. Best mates quiz. Best mates quiz. Yeah. So the best mates quiz is a quick 10 question quiz uh, that finds out a bit more about you. Number one, would you rather have more time or more money? More time. More time. Great. It is great. That's a hard question. That's a tough question. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Mean, this is meant to be fun. It's not meant to be like philosophical, reflective journey. But no, that is probably a very strong first question. And this is probably. I'm not making this easy for you. Never sing again or never play guitar again. If I had to choose, I'd never play guitar again. Singing, singing is just such a. Um, um, a pure way of expressing yourself. Yeah, it's, 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 it'd be very hard if you couldn't do that. Well, look, let's not take the best mates quiz as gospel. Um, I'm not enforcing any of these answers, so don't worry about that. Audi or BMW? Oh, there's some nice Audis going around. There are. Yeah, I would have maybe said BMW a few years ago, but I, I wouldn't say no to a nice Audi. There's some very nice ones. Some slick ones out there, that's true. Telepathy or teleporting? Maybe telepathy. I'd love to be able to do that. If, when you're engaging with someone, to know what they're really thinking would be so cool. Long drive or long walk? Uh, long walk for me. I definitely have to do that every day. If it's, if it's not um, going for a walk, I, I love physical exercise and stuff so i'll i'll go for a run like this morning um and sometimes that's when i'll get my best ideas and think about you know what we have to do next or it might be a song idea or i might listen to music and and get an idea for a new song and yeah those those are the, the moments where they sort of those sparks sort of come along this one's an interesting one uh even myself rereading it if you had your time again and you did the exact same occupation with country music singer and the success you've had, would you rather that in Australia or America? Um, I'd love to, I mean, if you had the ability to have a crystal ball, um, you know, there's, there's nothing, obviously you can't, you can't go back and, and change things, but, but yeah, I would have loved to have seen if I had a hypothetical, cause I've been um, going back and forth to America since I was 16 and always loved America, I would have yeah loved to have sort of seen if I was based there permanently to see where things may have gone. And and there's you know there's still a lot of opportunities that we've got happening at the, over there at the moment. We've just got to wait until we can actually go back. All right, next roller coasters, yes or no? Used to love them. Um, struggle, struggle. <laughs> I really do. I don't know if there's something about when you hit forty. You don't have to worry about this yet, mate. But um. Uh, um, <laughs> something changes and uh, it all becomes a little bit too, um, yeah, nah, no good, no good at all anymore. Facts or fiction? So whether you apply that to, to books or movies, like would you rather watch a factual thing or something made up? Probably facts. I love a great doco, mm. a really good real-life doco of whatever subject matter. Um, they're fantastic. Even... 
what we're doing right now, podcasts. You know, I, I love. Um, you would have heard of Joe Rogan. Uh, I of course I'm obsessed with his stuff. I'll you know lie in bed at night and, and watch. I, I actually love it when you can actually you know you could watch it on YouTube or watch watch the video that goes with the podcast. And yeah. I get engrossed in all that stuff. Safely say, I know of Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience. Can't say I've listened to any of it, obviously, because I can't listen to a podcast for doing this podcast. Random one, liquid soap or bar soap? Ooh, in the shower? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, um, well, mate, yeah, if it's shower, I'd go bar soap. If it's uh, if it's um, just, just washing the hands, hand soap. Yeah. Really? It bar goes soap. back to the old footy days. Um, that could be really awkward, that story, but um, no, it's not what you think. It's more if, you, if, you've, if you've played a, a, a pretty a pretty decent game of footy and you're covered in mud, you, you're not going to get it off with frigging hand soap, are you? You've got to really get in there with a proper bar soap and get it off. Yeah, yeah. we'll just leave it at that. You put, oh, back in the day, footy and bar soap and it's like, all right, imagination is going way too far. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah, country footy. There's some weird stuff that happens um, in footy change rooms. It's it's It should be illegal. We've got to keep this podcast PG of some sort. So. <laughs> and the last one, uh, painfully full or starving? Oh, would I prefer, which I prefer? Yeah. No, I don't, I'd, I'd probably go starving. I hate, you know that feeling when you're yeah. so bloated and you've had way too much and you just feel terrible? Nah, no good. Whenever I watch those, those eating challenges that you see where, you know, they've, they've got to have the biggest steak in the world or the world's biggest hamburger, Oh, I can't. I couldn't do it in a million years. No way. No, no, not really. Uh, not really my jam. One last thing before we uh, start wrapping up is obviously I said when I do some research for my co-hosts, I like going really, really deep and really trying to find out the best things about them. And so I go to page two of Google. Page two of Google. And so I typed in uh, Casey Barnes. And the first thing that came up was like a Google suggestion. So there was obviously a whole bunch of headlines and then some suggestions and it could be like, what is Casey Barnes' age or family? And one of them, and you kind of already touched on it, was, is Casey Barnes related to Jimmy Barnes? And now that has come up once before. Is that something that commonly comes up? It used to. I think, yep. thank God, um, uh, I've done enough freaking work over the last few years where I've started to create my own my own name. So um, I don't mind, you know, it's... it's, it's um, it doesn't really bother me too much, and I'm funnily enough, I'm, you know, I'm mates with um, one of Jimmy Barnes's sons, a guy Jackie, who's his drummer in his band. Um, really lovely guy. We mm-hmm. we did um, we did some shows together uh, not too long ago, and um, terrific bloke. And I know Jimmy's an amazing family family bloke, really nice guy. So. There's no shame in that at all. I hope actually I've never met him before. We've done we've done gigs or on the same lineup on the same festivals, but we've never crossed paths. I think because um, he's he's lucky enough to be at a level where he'll finish his show and there'll be a jet waiting for him on the runway to take him out of wherever he needs to go. And uh, we're not quite at that level yet. So no, he's um, he's he kicks some backside. He's he's pretty awesome. He's got an insane voice. Crazy that you haven't met him, though. I reckon that'll be one of these next pivotal moments in your career. It would be great. 
one very last thing as well is actually when I came across your, you've got your website where you show all your tour dates and whatnot. Part of your bio actually says that you did a performance at the Professional Bull Riding World Finals in Las Vegas. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's funny um, when you speak about that sort of stuff here in Australia, most Aussies would immediately go to, you know, a regional town and their local rodeo um, and that's what you pitch up, which is pretty much what most people would be doing here in Australia. But in the States, it's at a whole nother level. So, you know, the PBR circuit in America is inside huge arenas. So, you know, I, I was lucky enough to do some PBR gigs here and perform at them and then they introduced me to their you know their american crew over in the states and and they invited me to go across and and be part of some of their events about 18 months ago i think the first one was in kansas city um this huge huge massive arena where on the thursday night it was justin timberlake and then i think michael buble performed in the same arena on the friday night and then the saturday was the pbr and they all roll in and um and it's just next level so we did those gigs and got a great response then they invited us to come back and be part of the the world finals in vegas which is um it's just out of control it was so much fun um and we had an absolute ball and yeah we, we were planning to head back again and do so many more of those this last 12 months but we couldn't because of COVID. but the one that i really want to do is um is called the global cup and it's in it's in uh, Dallas and it's at AT&T Stadium. So it's a 110,000-seat indoor arena where they have the Super Bowl and they pack that out for bull riding. So it's huge. It is massive. And um, the song that, that really got that opportunity started in the first place is one of my tracks off my previous album called The Way We Ride. And um, and it's a, it's a really great country rock track but the funny thing is that song it's actually all about a a couple that are in love and they're a bit crazy and they just love doing things that are like on the edge and taking risks and they don't care what anybody else thinks they just love living on the edge has nothing to do with bull riding at all but they just um they just love the song and it's got that high energy sort of um vibe about it and it became a bit of a an anthem for the pbr and i remember at one point one of my Aussie friends was over, it might have been in Vegas and they were at the, the world finals and they um, they were in the crowd. And this was maybe 12 months prior to us getting the gig and and they were playing the way we ride inside the stadium and she took a video of it and sent it to me and I'm like, oh, this is, um, this is there's something in this. We might be able to, you know, tie this song in somehow. And yeah, that's how it ended up panning out. Wow, that is fantastic. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. I will say I was writing down some accolades uh, of yourself and even your album that you mentioned at the top of the podcast, Town of a Million Dreams. Like that went Aria number one, Australian country charts, number two on the country charts, number four Australian albums, number 16, all albums and iTunes, number ones on the country and all genre album charts. One of your songs, Sparks Fly, was at the top of the country charts for eight consecutive weeks. Like your accolades literally overflowing um casey i owe you a slab what's your favorite drink what's your favorite beer mate you don't owe me a slab at all let's let's have a beer when i come down to melbourne next month your shout how's that that sounds good mate you're an absolute legend and um and giving the time to have a bit of a chat to me today is just testament to yourself like i said so thank you very much and uh and i'll buy you that beer when you're down in melbourne sounds good thanks for having me 
catch up on any or all of the Best Mates with Blake episodes, just search Best Mates with Blake wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, to follow along with highlights of the chats, including some clues as to who I might have on the next episodes, follow Best Mates with Blake on Instagram. Cheers.